0: My name's Lillian, Uh, I'm 21, I'm studying at UNSW, and I'm here to talk about my student club, Students for Nuclear Energy.
1: That's right, listeners. The Gen Zs are about to enter the professional workforce. Let that sink in for a moment. (laughs) Nuclear. This field of science was responsible for the devastating conclusion to the Second World War. This alone would be enough to suggest why few other technologies conjure as much misunderstanding and fear. Today, the very same field now quietly supports our way of life by providing unique ways to interact with reality. It allows us to observe the world in impossibly fine resolution, it enables us to measure and gauge events of the distant past, offers options for diagnosis and treatment of severe ailments, and generates great power with exceptionally low carbon emissions. The greatest tool for promoting understanding is discussion, and it is well overdue in Australia. Welcome to Going Fishing, Australia's Nuclear Technology Discussion. It's been known there is a gap in the pool of nuclear industry professionals making it an aging industry. Only recently, there's been a reversal in this trend. Awards of nuclear-related degrees has been climbing, which is great news for an industry in need of revival. In August, the Students for Nuclear Energy Group was launched at University of New South Wales. Going Fishin' now has the pleasure of speaking to its founder and president. Lillian, welcome to Going Fishing. Thank you. I'm very excited. It's all very good. Um, all right, so we'll kick off with the first question. Uh, We'll come back for students for nuclear energy. You're currently a student at UNSW, completing a Bachelor's of Science, majoring in chemistry. Uh, How did you choose this path?
0: (laughs) It's a bit messy, actually. So um, when I first decided that I was going to come to university, which is very last minute, um, I thought I was going to be a physicist. Uh, And then I rocked up and I took my first physics class and I was like, oh my God, I hate this. So (laughs) physics wasn't it. Um, I tried material science, um, and I half liked that, half didn't. I really wasn't into the math, and then I thought, okay, let's just pick something that I'm good at, and, um, I've always enjoyed chemistry since high school, um, so I took chemistry, and I, I really enjoy the lab environment, I really enjoy hands-on environments, so, um, stuck with chemistry. Here I am, but, um, I've always wanted a career in nuclear science, so I do also study um, some nuclear engineering courses at UNSW on the side.
1: Very good. So, let's have a a closer look at your resume, shall we? Research on quokka and koala, which began at high school, general Mm -hmm. executive member at Women in Nuclear and invited to be a guest speaker at Wise and ANSTO International Women's Day, and now president of the student group you founded. Due yes. to graduate with a Bachelor of Science in 2019. Mm-hmm. Do you sleep?
0: <laughs> yeah, but like stressfully, like stressful sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I sort of have this thing going on with my friends where I get angry at myself because I keep signing up for things. Yeah, like right. if I see an opportunity, I just keep saying yes. And sometimes it's like, Lillian, say no a little bit. Like you need a break. But no, like it. A- take everything as it comes like it's all been so worth it so yeah
1: very exciting
0: cool so you attended the Ainsie Winter
1: School sort of briefly tell us about what this is and uh, elaborate on your experience there
0: yes yeah, so um like you said I've been involved with research at ANSTO since high school um And sort of just before that started, before I actually got the research opportunity, like obviously looking around on the internet for what I could do with ANSTO, the winter school came up, um, but it's something that was for um, like penultimate year uni students, and I was only in high school, so it's like one day I want to attend that. Um, And then I was giving us a presentation, I think it was for International Women's Day at ANSTO, and um, someone came up to me and said, we've got a spot for you at the winter school do you want to attend and I was like yes I've been wanting to attend since like year 10. So uh, I didn't even need to apply I got given a spot so that's just an amazing opportunity and it was um, it was a good chance for me to look around ANSTO at um, all the different sort of departments that I hadn't seen before so uh, my research has been down at the Australian Centre for Neutron Scattering and I sort of just um, stay in that little department So this was a good opportunity for me to see all the different parts of ANSTO, like um, they've got a lot of uh, biology and chemistry labs and stuff that I don't get much to do with. So I got to see all those, Um, got to see all their like materials engineering facilities and um, GATRI we got to see is really cool, which is their little irradiation facility. So I got to see the blue radiation underwater in the pool. And yeah, so a great opportunity that I got to take with a bunch of other students my age that I've been wanting to do since I was little.
1: Very nice. You mentioned GATRI. Is that uh, one of their many TLAs or three-letter acronyms?
0: Um, Yes. So it's one of the facilities that they use to irradiate samples. So they, um, I think it's cobalt metal that they use. They stick it into the reactor um, next to the core and then they transport it out to another facility, another pool. And it's this big, it's really cool. Like, if you get the chance to see it, I recommend you go see it. It's this big concrete room. Like, the door is, like, I mean, the size of a room. Like, they they push this big door so that no one's in there when they're doing the irradiating. Um, They pull these irradiated cobalt rods out of the pool. And whatever sample they want to irradiate, they irradiate. Like, um, everyone knows they use it for agriculture. So... um, like fly larvae, they irradiate the fly larvae and then release them, release them into the environment so that they can't breed. Um, I don't know. They are they like sterilised medical equipment and stuff um, with the radiation. Um, so obviously the thing wasn't out of the pool when we went, but it was in the pool, and then we got to see the um, the blue radiation in the pool, and that's something I've always wanted to see in person. So yeah, that was cool. I think I know the, the, the piece of
1: infrastructure you're talking about. And yes, it is a, uh, It's well, it's only one piece of the uh, of, of infrastructure that they've got there at, uh, yeah. at ANSTO. It's quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, no, very cool. It is cool. So you're a student researcher with ANSTO. So tell us about what that is and what that means.
0: Yes. Yeah, so um, I chased up the opportunity in high school to do research at the ACNS, Australian Centre for Neutron Scattering. Um pretty much I, I bugged my supervisor, Elliot Gilbert. I just um emailed him back and forth for a year about how I wanted to do research there and he said he would see what he could do. Um previously Ansto didn't have a way to let people in who like weren't a part of a university or weren't actual researchers. Like I was just I was just an anybody. Like I was a, a high school student. So um Lots of stuff had to happen up top to get me in, like security-wise. Like the CEO was involved and stuff. Um, A lot of work went into it. And then so after a year of emailing back and forth, I got to go in and start a project. I I wasn't expecting to get a project. I was expecting to be, like, making coffees for people and putting things through the paper shredder. But um, no, I actually ended up doing some research that sort of involved – Microfluidics, so running fluids through really small channels. Um, fluids behave differently on the small scale than they do in the large scale. Um, and it just involved me making samples, pretty much samples that make long chains of molecules um, at high concentrations. And we ran them through this device, and this di- device was sitting in the neutron beam. So we, we analysed the molecules that were um, in the fluid running through the beam um and I ended up working on that back and forth in all my sort of school and university breaks um so it's not an internship I don't know it was a bit more than work experience we don't know what to call it so we call it student research
1: fair enough and this was while you were still at high school was it
0: yeah I started at the very end of year 12 so before I'd even gotten hse results um I wasn't even sure if I was going to go to university. Actually, it made me decide that I wanted to go to university. I, I want to be a scientist as fast as I can. Um, before that, I think I was even going to have a gap year. So, um, yeah, no, straight out of high school.
1: Very good, very good. Okay. I, myself, like to think of neutron scattering as the most technologically advanced way of throwing rocks at stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Would you do the Going Fish in the honour of delivering a crash course in neutron scattering?
0: Yes. So I think what I will do is I will explain it to you guys the way that I would explain it to my grandmother. So I'm sure this is a bit basic for everyone, but I don't know if there's listeners that have no clue what they're listening to. Maybe this will help.
1: I hope non-industry people are listening to this program.
0: Yes. So this is for everyone. Um, So... The reactor core sits in a big cylinder surrounded by water, Um, and when the reactor is on, it gives off neutrons. Um, And you can sort of think of these as light. So it's like you turn the reactor on, it's like you're turning on a light, except the light is neutrons so you can't see them. But just ignore that part, pretend it's light coming out. and. People that work in industry are probably going to hate the way I explain this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I you. They can poke... write in. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, it's like you poke holes in the sides of the cylinders, and if you had um, an actual light in the middle, right, light would shine out of the holes, right? So it's like out of these holes, neutrons shine out of the holes, and these beams of neutrons can sort of get guided down um, beams and you can sort of concentrate the beams like you would with a laser of light, except you can't actually see it. Um, And you can shoot it at samples and um, you look at how the light comes out the other side and that tells you about your sample in ways that um, other conventional lab methods can't. Yeah, does that make sense? (laughs) Look,
1: One thing I, I would like to ask is Neutrons are, even though very small, they are still effectively a, a particle, and they do have sort of a, a, a mass. Whereas yeah. light, made a photon, sort of doesn't. When you sort of, even when you describe it as, it still behaves a bit like light for sort of all intents and purposes. When you're running this experiment, you can still sort of treat these neutrons as light.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, like when you're looking at your fancy computer screen, it's telling you like what wavelength the neutrons are at. So yeah, they they do the whole wave-particle duality thing. Yeah. Excellent.
1: So, what can what can this do for us? What can you do? What sort of things can you look at with a, uh, a neutron scatterer?
0: Well, so there's um, lots of different instruments at ANSTO, and they all do um, different things. So, the the instrument that I was working on, it can tell you about shapes and sizes of molecules in your sample, um, and there isn't really another method that you can use to do that. Um, whereas there's another method that I've used. Um, that can tell you the exact crystal lattice of something that you're looking at, uh, similar to what you do with um, X-ray diffraction, but with neutrons. And um, neutrons interact with matter differently to X-rays. So um, you can see uh, different alignments like hydrogen bonding. Um, There's another instrument that I've worked on a tiny bit that works like, uh, I don't know, like a medical X-ray. So you, you put your sample in the beam and you see through it like if you stuck your arm in an X-ray, and you can see all your bones. Um, so it, it's seeing structures that you can't see with an X-ray because the neutrons interact with matter differently than X-rays. So there's just like a whole range of from teeny tiny on that atomic scale to um, larger structure scale. Yeah, you see inside things. <laughs> it's 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 X-ray
1: vision, but yeah. it's not always using X-rays. It might be using neutrons or, or some yeah. of, well. It'll be using neutron particles.
0: Yeah, and you can get um, very detailed x-ray vision with neutrons.
1: Rightio. Yeah. Now, the yeah. equipment all at, at ANSTO there, or in the... Uh, oh, it was called the Bragg Institute. It's called something else now, I think.
0: ACNS. Uh, the Australian Centre for Neutron
1: Scattering, isn't it? Yep. That's the yep. One. Cool. The... All, obviously, all the the neutrons there, all the tools there work off neutron scattering. You mentioned a little bit about uh, X-rays. Now, that's not not something that you can do uh, with that particular machine or with that particular laboratory. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, at university, like I think almost every university will be equipped with um, X-ray machinery. You know, um, even in your regular first or second year chemistry lab, you go down and chuck samples in the um, X-ray diffractometer, but you definitely can't do that um, at school with neutrons. Like neutrons are, you you need a reactor, right? Or a a spallation source, but um, you know, X-rays, you just need a bit of, um, plug some copper into a high energy source or something. And then you got electrons and they make X-rays, but um, yeah, neutrons, you can't do that at university. You need to have a nuclear reactor. Unless yep. your university's got a,
1: neutral, uh, a nuclear reactor, uh, you've got to yep. go elsewhere. And some <laughs> yes. universities do, but uh, but not, yes. a, a, not UNSW.
0: No, at a, in Australia, ANSTO is our only option.
1: Right. So you've had the opportunity to work with Quokka and Koala. So these are neutron scattering devices. How do they differ? What's, uh, what's the, the differentiation between them?
0: Yeah, so... Um... Almost all the instruments down at the ACNS have cute little Australian names um, like quokka. Um, So quokka was the one that can look at um, like entire molecules and can tell you the shape of the molecule or the size of the molecule, like the length. Um, And then koala was one of the um, neutron diffraction ones that... um, So it's a bit hard for me to talk about the actual research that we were doing because I'm not particularly interested in the samples. I'm just interested in the way the instrument works. So I tag along with other researchers um, and just jump on their research and they can do the research part and I can do the cool instrument part. Um, But basically we had a a heap of benzoic acids and they were crystallized, so um, solid, and we, we used Koala to look at the way... The molecules were aligned so that we could look at their hydrogen bonding. Um, so that's not looking at like the size of a molecule or the shape of the molecule, it's looking at the actual arrangement of the atoms. Um, whereas the one that I have worked on a, a tiny bit that is like sticking your arm in, a, in an x-ray, except it's neutrons, that one was called dingo. So um, yeah, they all have very different functions and I, I like that's about as much information as I can tell you because they're, they're very complicated and I don't understand that much in depth.
1: Fair enough, fair enough.
0: So at the moment,
1: all the cool kids are studying renewables. Why yep. nuclear power for you?
0: Yeah, okay. Um, for me, it started with, I think it was in Year 9 or 10. Um, we had a a Year 10 science Um assessment, a science assessment on, um, I can't remember what it was technically on, I think it was on things that have environmental impacts. Um, and they were all to do with the Sydney area, so I think people got stuff to do with dams and coal power stations. And mine was a question like what would happen if Australia had nuclear energy. Um, so it meant that little year 10 me had to research these things on the internet, which is obviously there's um, very for and very against arguments on the internet and you can't really tell um, what's real and what's not real. But I, I ended up coming up with a cute little two or three page report on um, why nuclear would be good for Australia. Um, that was the conclusion that I came to. And I think ever since then I've been really interested in it. So every opportunity that I've been able to come up with to, to find out as much as I can, I've taken it. Um, and for me it, it's just it's blindingly obvious that nuclear is the way to go like um, so much energy out of uh, such a small amount of fuel people are so scared of it but I think because the way that my research project happened in year 10 fear wasn't my initial reaction Um that's not to say that I'm not into renewables I think I I've found um, since really getting into nuclear that there's a lot of pro nukes that are really anti-renewable. And I, I'm not one of those. I mean, I'm a UNSW student. UNSW is very, very into renewables research. So I'm both. I don't think you have to be one or the other. Very good. Sort of, what do you, can you tell us a bit about how you
1: thought of nuclear prior to doing that assignment. Did you have a strong feeling about one way or the other or or not so much?
0: I'm not really sure. I think um well when I was little I remember Fukushima on the news. Um and I mean I think I probably would have been scared. Um but I, I it mustn't have been I mustn't have been scared enough to have a strong opinion on it. Um yeah, no, I think the assignment really gave me the opportunity so young to separate nuclear weapons and nuclear disasters from safe nuclear energy. So, um, yeah, I, I think prior to that, I mustn't have had such strong opinions, I think.
1: It's it's interesting because uh, I don't know if you listened to the the first interview I did with with Dr Ben Hurd, but mm. sort of he explained about his uh, his initial anti nuclear position, how that was formed. Uh, and on reflection, when I sort of think about um, specific elements of anti nuclear ready, it was it's pretty much entrenched in the culture, such that it's uh, it's kind of a default position. Yes. You haven't you sort of haven't noticed this as much yourself? Do you think? Uh, Do you think this might be a a shift in the culture? Do you think other people sort of your age or your peers
0: might have a similar experience? See, I'm not sure if I'd call it a shift in culture. I think I'd call it a massive challenge. Um, I think it's one of the things that inspired me to make the club at university. Um, Because at a university, you've got a bunch of people who are trained to think scientifically. Um, rather than just the general public who they they don't have to be trained in scientific thought like that, um so I mean, you can understand why they're scared, but at, at university in in the science field, people think rationally. Um, I think that's why I thought university would be a good place. Well, it's one of the things that inspired me to start the group because I think there are other people that think like me. Um, in regards to nuclear because science has taught them to think of something else other than fear like it's taught them to break it down and look at the pros and look at the cons and look at the data and um, decide for themselves which data is more reliable um, yeah does that answer your question?
1: It's, it's something of it seems to be a common sort of theme where the way I see it is a bit of a it's a cultural default is are kind of soft Anti-nuclear. Mm. Until such time as someone sort of sits down and reads something accurate, or read, looks in, into sort of the science a bit, and you don't have to look at it much, but as soon as you sort of read something about it, you, you understand. And a lot of people come to thinking actually nuclear yeah. power is an option. It's a, it seems to be a really good idea, um, but obviously I... not a lot of people take that step. And I think it's important to encourage people. To, yeah, go out, read something about it and uh, see what you think then.
0: Yeah, I, I really like the term um, soft anti-nuclear there because um, a few times while we've been setting up for events or I've been chatting to someone and they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Or what are you getting ready for? And I'm like, oh, my club's event. Like, what's your club about? Oh, we're pro-nuclear. And they're like, oh my God, what? Like, you're a weirdo, gonna leave. And it's like, no, no, hang on. Um, What, so you, you don't like nuclear? And they're like, yeah. Um, You ask them why, they can't really tell you why and they'll go, okay, so convince me why I should be pro-nuclear. And you talk to them for about 30 seconds and they go, oh, yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the goals of the club. It's just to start the conversation between these people because not everyone is a a scary picket protester anti-nuclear. Like, people just don't know. Like, it's not necessarily something that's in high school syllabus, you know, people don't have a reason to know these things. So, um, I think starting the conversation is super duper important.
1: Excellent. Very good.
0: Sort of the people you've been speaking
1: to in regards to talking about nuclear, do you, have you got a sort of a range of different age groups or different,
0: um, demographics
1: or is it sort of mostly young people?
0: Um, yeah, so, so far at university, um, there's been a lot of more postgraduate kind of, um, older people. Okay. Um, but I don't know, it's in, it's in very young stages at the moment. Like I, we haven't like, we've only had one event and that was only advertised to whoever we could advertise for the very first time. Um, you know, I feel like if we, if we encourage the, like the first year science classes, um, to come along to our events. I think it'll work. I I think we'll be able to get a range from just starting university to finishing university. Um, We did have people who were um, UNSW alumni, like, you know, full-grown adults who had properly left university um, come along to the event. So, yeah, we did have a range, but I'd like to see more and more young people come along.
1: What – do you think there's – when we're talking about explaining nuclear, or you talk to people about, uh, about nuclear technology, is there much of a difference between, say, a younger person or an older person? Or is there at a concern the same? Have you sort of noticed
0: any differences there? Um, I guess I've not particularly tried to convince an older person yet. Um, you know, I think the younger people that I talk to, because they are sort of in a science-related degree, and they have that way of thinking, are a lot more receptive, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess I tried to convince my parents, and that works, so I guess they're receptive too. Um, But, yeah, again, I guess if you're, like, the older generation, if you've never been told these things, again, they have no reason to know. So, like, um, it's the same sort of thing, presenting them with the facts so that they can make up their own minds. um, Yeah, not too sure how difficult it is with older people compared to younger people, though.
1: Okay. Okay. Students for Nuclear Energy was an idea you had years ago, which you, yep. successfully, land, uh, you successfully launched in August. Uh, can you take us on, the, on that particular journey?
0: Yes, it's a long journey. Nice. So um, I was at a Women in Nuclear AGM, um, and we like to have guest speakers at the AGMs, uh, and we had Rob Parker who was your last guest or the guest before last.
1: Uh, depending on when I release this, either the last yeah. one or the one two before.
0: <laughs> the one after Ben. Yes. Um, and that was fantastic because I don't think I was expecting to even have a guest speaker. I was just rocking up to the meeting. Um, and I didn't realise we were going to have someone talk about nuclear energy because women in nuclear isn't necessarily nuclear energy. It's just nuclear technology at the moment. Um. And when he finished, I, I, like I had to go up and talk to him, and I was like, "I'm so passionate about what you just talked about. How can I get involved?" and we we sat down with the President Joe Lackenby, and we just talked for ages um, about he got in, how he got involved and um his views on nuclear and the environment um, and then we came up to talking about things that I can do, and he said, "Start a club." and I was like, "What, I can't start a club. Like I don't know how to do that um." So I think I would I would have only just started uni then, or I might not have even started uni. I think I'd only just started. Um, but he got me in contact with Ed Obard, um, who who teaches nuclear engineering at UNSW. You know that. Don't know everyone else doesn't know that. Um, I'll have to get him on the program at some time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and. I got to take Ed's nuclear engineering classes, I've taken two so far, but I also got to talk to him about making a club at UNSW because a student society um, at university, like it's already got the framework, like all the the legal work and, um, you know, how to set up your account and set up your executive rather than just starting like a society in the real world. Um, So a club society looks like a great place to start. And I talked to Ed about it for, I don't know, two years, um, going back and forth between meetings and emails and sort of not really being sure if I would actually be able to do it. Um, But, yeah, then I I, I think I'm not really sure what the tipping point was, but uh, this year I was like, no, I've really got to do it. Like it's something that I'm so passionate about. Um, It's something that young people really need to get involved in. And if no one else is going to do it, well then I've got to do it. And um, I have the, the network and the connections to do it. So I've done it. Um, yeah, so we we had our, our little IGM and I think five or six people turned up, which was all we needed, and we made an executive. Um, I have a great executive. Um, and then we just got into making our first event. And as Ed's helped me out a lot with that. You've sort of just got to not think about it and just do it. Just book the room, tell the speaker where the room is and what time and, and go on from there, but um, it's a lot of hard work and it's stressful. But it the payoff is like unbelievable. Like I'm I'm so glad that I've gone through with it all, um, and I really didn't think I would. I thought it would be too hard, but um, it's not too hard and it's well worth it. And I've had a lot of help along the way.
1: I've whenever I've sort of done a project. It's often the case, and it doesn't have to be making a club. It could be any number of things, like building a fence. And you work and <laughs> work and work and work and work and work and work and work, and then sort of you start. You get the first deliverable. You get the first thing that's concrete. That yes, I've achieved something, and then it all just seems to fall in place after that. Did you notice that uh, putting this club together?
0: Definitely, definitely. It was like all of a sudden things were actually happening. Like it was emails back and forth for ages, and meetings, and um sort of flaking out and trying to forget about it and focus on uni work for a bit. And then all of a sudden it just all came together and, um, yeah, worked.
1: (laughs) Very good. So your first uh, inaugural event, uh, that was in August. Uh, what was, what did that involve? What was, uh,
0: yeah. So, um, with the help of Mark Ho, um, I got, we, well, we got Dr. Robert Barr to come in and talk to us, um, who I'd heard about his presentations before, um, talking about the, um, the energy grid in Australia and how that works and, and how models show that nuclear really can work in Australia. Um, and I thought he would be a fantastic speaker just for me because I have no clue how that sort of stuff works. Um, if I'm going to be this involved in the nuclear argument, like I really need to work on that. Um, so I thought he would be a great speaker, a great way to help other people like me who don't really know how those sorts of things work. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we just got on with it. We booked the room. We, we t- I told Rob where to go. He turned up um, and he gave his presen- presentation and I learnt a lot. Um, and at the end of his presentation, a lot of people came up to me and told me that they learned a lot, which is fantastic because that's exactly what I wanted. Um, we had a great discussion. Everyone was asking questions at the end. We could have stayed for hours asking questions and going back and forth. And, um, it finished with drinks and some food at a uni bar. Um, and everyone just got to network and keep talking and argue a little bit. Um, and, I, like, I don't think everyone in the room was particularly pro-nuclear, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, I want to have lots of events like that in the future, either with um, single presenters or on panels. Um, I mean, for example, I, I think Dr. Barr was a little bit on the pro-coal side. I'm very much not that, but I think it's it's very, very important that we have speakers that aren't just full-on pro-nuclear um, because I, I want – everyone to get everyone's opinions and everyone's facts um so that everyone can make up their own minds about nuclear um that's what i want to do i don't want to convert people to nuclear i just want to get people thinking about it so they can make up their own minds um yeah no i I was i was very very happy with how the event went i don't think i could have asked for much more
1: i think that's uh, a good way to go about it if you can get people that uh, you don't want to be preaching to the choir. And yeah, exactly. Get, and if you can get people that, that are still in two minds about it or that don't know much about it or want to learn much about it, I don't think it takes an awful lot of convincing. I think all you really need to do is lay out the facts and most people will come across. They will see that, yeah, this is not something to be feared. This is something that offers Australia and the rest of the world uh, great opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. That's exactly what I want. I just want to get the conversation started. Um, for me, I mean, I'm not very much into politics either, but when I'm watching the news and they're discussing the current energy issues and the back and forth between renewables and coal, it's very frustrating because nuclear doesn't come up at all. Um, so maybe if I can start conversations on these sort of small event scales, maybe other events will pop up and other clubs will pop up um, and they'll get talking and they'll get their their universities talking about nuclear and, and it'll spread and, um, yeah, no, that's exactly what I want. I just want to get people talking and considering and looking into things for themselves rather than just freaking out because of what they've heard in the media about nuclear. Um, yeah. It needs to be part of the, of the public discourse. Yeah. I yeah, agree. definitely. Yeah. Absolutely
1: yeah. agree. So, all right. Would you be keen to hear from other pro-nuclear students who maybe want to open a chapter of Students for Nuclear Energy at their university?
0: Yes. So um, while we were advertising for our event, I I was emailed by, I think it was someone from Melbourne and someone from WA who was asking how they could get involved with the club. And I thought that was fantastic. Um, I definitely would love it if other Students for Nuclear Energy Clubs opened up at other universities Um, like that's exactly what I want there's no reason to want to keep it exclusive and only at UNSW like that's not the point the point is for for it to spread and for everyone to talk about nuclear Um, the hardest part is just making a club like just getting started Um, so yeah I mean I guess if people are interested they can email me or email the club I guess I'll give you my email and you can put it in the podcast link or something go for it Um, yeah yeah but, no, definitely, I think that's a fantastic idea and that's exactly what needs to happen.
1: Is yours the first pro-nuclear energy group at universities in Australia? Do you know that for a fact or, or not? Uh,
0: I don't know that for a fact, but I'd say so. I, I know that there's a there's a pro-nuclear student group in America. I don't remember what university it was. Um yeah, no, but they're hard to find. Like, actually, another another reason that I wanted to make a club at university was because when I was in my first year and, you know, you, you wander through all the stores for all the clubs for the open days and you're trying to find anything that's nuclear science related and there's nothing. Um, so, you know, hopefully if there's, there's other students like that, now they have something because there wasn't something like that before. Definitely not at UNSW. Um, try- but, yeah. Oh, no. Go ahead. No, no, no. If you finish your thought. Um, I forget what I was gonna say now. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay, it's
1: all right. I'm prepared to state that I think your group is the first pro-nuclear energy group at universities in Australia, and I'm sure if there's another one, they can uh, they can write in, get in touch with me, and tell me I'm wrong. But until that yeah. time happens, I think yours is the first. So yeah, yeah. is there a, a web page for students for nuclear energy?
0: No. So we have a Facebook page. Yep. Uh. I think that's all we have. I don't even – I have a Twitter account, but our club doesn't have a Twitter account. Um, so if you want to get in contact with us, you can obviously message us through the Facebook page or our email. Um, but, yeah, no, I would like a web page. Um, yeah, I've never had a web page before, so I don't know what to put up there. But, yeah, no, um, I think that's something that will happen in the future and probably all the other social media pages um, to get out there but yeah
1: definitely early days i don't have a web page for my podcast either so something yeah. i have to get on but yeah uh... no exactly good idea <laughs> definitely
0: yeah all right so
1: uh... any good neutron scattering experiment relies on seven million scattered neutrons can you give me several, uh, several million suggestions for who i should invite to the podcast
0: oh okay um,
1: Several million excessive, up to two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can give you a few. <laughs> um, there's sort of like a little ring in Australia of uh, like guys in, in the know about nuclear. Um, I think it's probably enough to count on, a, on maybe, maybe two hands, so I think you could get through them on the podcast. Mark Ho would be great. So he's the current president of the ANA. Um, he helped out a lot with the last event. He's very been very supportive of the club. Um, and he's got a very straightforward view on how nuclear should be done in Australia. I think it would be very interesting to get him on the show. Um, again, I think Ed O'Bard would be great to get on the show. Um, he's just done a radio interview um, where he was sort of on a panel with both pro and not pro nuclear Australians and he kept very calm through the not pro section, which I would not be able to do. So I think it would be very interesting to get him on the show. Um, and I also think the current president of Australia Young Generation in Nuclear, Julia Garside, I think her name is. Um, I've, I met her. I met her at the winter school, actually. She's lovely. She's um, and I think she could probably give you a really good perspective on uh, the young face of nuclear in Australia at the moment. Yeah. Excellent. No, I remember listening
1: to the... It was a Radio National. It was... Um, oh, what's the... Mr. Seps, I can't remember the presenter's first name, but it was Mr. Seps yeah. and it was the, the, the Radio Nationals of People Versus series. And obviously this yep. one was in regards to the, the low-level nuclear waste facility they want to put in, in Kimber. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Ed. It was. It got a bit hot, and Ed actually kept yep. very cool throughout uh, throughout the whole thing. I was quite impressed.
0: Yep. Would not be able to do that. That's something that I need to work <laughs> on as a leader. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um. All right. Well, just before we uh we leave, uh, final things. You've got the uh, you've got the Students for Nuclear Energy web page. Are you able to uh, quote us the address for that, or the best way to get onto that?
0: Uh, yeah, the the Facebook page. I think if you just search students for nuclear energy, I think we're one of the first ones that come up. Um, our email, if you'd like to email us, is students for nuclear energy at gmail dot com. But the four is a number four. Um, okay. Yeah, you you can find me on Twitter. I think if you just search my name, Lillian Caruana, that'll come up. Um, happy to talk about nuclear there. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're a UNSW listener, come along to our our meetings if you if you see our events advertised anywhere, that'd be fantastic.
1: Do you have a regular schedule for your meetings or your events? Not yet, not yet, early days. Not
0: yet. Early days. We're working on our next event um I'm thinking either a panel um maybe with um some scientists from Women in Nuclear or something or um I'll find another single guest speaker. We can have another night similar to our first one. Drink some food.
1: It's what a uh, university group or a university uh, conference is all about, really. Yep, Information. (laughs) Drinks and food provided by the uni.
0: Yep.
1: (laughs) One last thing uh, before you go. It's only just sort of come up recently, uh, and it's probably going to be underway by the time this comes out, but there is a nuclear power pride march going on in Germany in the uh, middle of October, I believe.
0: Yes. And
1: you're planning on going along?
0: Well, I'm going to apply to go along. Um, yeah, it's, it's very soon. It's sometime next month. Um, and it just looks like the perfect opportunity for young people um, interested in nuclear in Australia. They're, they're offering scholarships for travel to just go along and attend this march. Um, I didn't even know it existed before uh, someone tagged me in it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they just they just want to show that there are people all around the world and young people all around the world that support nuclear now, which is exactly what I want the club to do. I want to show that there there is a, a young a young people voice in Australia, um, that supports nuclear. So, yeah, no, um, I think you can find the link to the event on our on our Facebook page. I think it's all over Twitter. I think if you just search Nuclear Pride March Germany, it comes up. Yeah, looks amazing.
1: It looks like uh, whether it's the industry or whether it's uh, proponents that want to support the industry have finally realised that yes, if they want to support this and this it wants to get the acceptance of of the general layperson out in the street, it people need to get out there and be seen and say, "This is this is the technology yeah. we believe in this." And yeah, it's... and
0: also also to say that we're here, like that it's it's like not everyone is scared of nuclear because what we've seen in the media like like there are people who are educated um to think scientifically and um have thought about this and have decided yes yeah
1: very good well on that note thank you very much for being on the podcast
0: thank you very much for having me
1: it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, look, I know there's a couple of people in the, uh, in the group maybe uh, in the future, might come back in six months' time, maybe get a panel discussion with the rest of your club executive.
0: Yeah, no, that would be a good idea. That'd really
1: that would be really cool. I'd, I'd, I'd look forward to that. I think that would be really good. All
0: righty then. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much.
1: Cool. The Students for Nuclear Energy Facebook page can be found at dubdubdub. .facebook.com slash students for nuclear energy slash with the four spelt F-O-R. Their email is students for nuclear energy at gmail.com with the four as a numeral. Lillian Caruana's Twitter handle is at Lillian underscore Caruana. Dr. Ed O'Bard appeared on Josh Sepp's radio national program, The People Versus series on The People Versus Nuclear Waste in August of this year. Link is in the description. The Pro Nuclear Pride March is next week from publication of this episode. October 21 in Munich, Germany. The Nuclear Pride Coalition is made of several organisation members across the world. A link to the event is in the description. Going Fishin' thanks Lily and Caruana for appearing on the podcast and congratulates her for the commencement of her club. Thank you for listening. At Fish and Going is the podcast's Twitter handle. Australia is a young nation located on the far side of the world. Our history demonstrates we can stand up to injustice, admit when we are wrong, and muster the courage to act in spite of our fears. By no means are we perfect but we often punch above our weight on the world stage. Today, our greatest challenge is not posed by international tensions, but from how humanity chooses to progress. We have everything we need to lead the world in making the right choice, and we only need to embrace the courage to do it. This has been Going Fishing, hosted by Logan Smith.